0: Welcome to the MacMillan Report. I'm Marilyn Wilkes, your host, and our guest is Adria Lawrence, an assistant professor of political science and a research fellow at the MacMillan Center at Yale University. Professor Lawrence is a scholar of the Middle East with particular expertise in North African politics. She studies conflict and collective action investigating how people come to mobilize in favor of ideologies such as ethnicity, nationalism, religion, and democracy. Today, we'll talk with Professor Lawrence about her new manuscript, Imperial Rule and the Politics of Nationalism. Welcome, Professor Lawrence. Thank you very much. Let's begin with an overview of your book. Tell us about it.
1: Um, My book investigates a question that has often been taken for granted by those who look at the collapse of the European empires. And that is the um, the wave of nationalism that swept the colonized world, n- basically in the wake of World War II. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and what questions do you address in the book? Um, the book addresses why it is that nationalist mobilization occurred um, and why there was so much variation in when and where it occurred. So most of the time, um, scholars have tended to take nationalist mobilization for granted. Um, Given the um, unpopularity of empire, the um, creation of the United Nations, a lot of events that delegitimized empire in the mid-20th century, um, uh, many scholars see Nationalism as something that we can really take for granted. It's kind of an obvious response to colonial rule by the mid 20th century. Um, and when I look at nationalism, I saw that there were a lot of surprising things about it that it didn't happen everywhere at the same time. It didn't all of a sudden spring up after World War II. Some places never had nationalist movements. Um, some places had nationalist movements but got them relatively late. Um, in some places, places, nationalisms happened relatively earlier. Um, in addition, nationalism wasn't the only way that colonized populations. Opposed colonial rule. Um, They asked for other things as well, they engaged in strikes, they engaged in other kinds of protests. So I began the project by noting that there was a lot of variation in the way that populations responded to colonial rule and trying to explain some of that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think most of the time scholars have seen nationalism not as something that needs to be explained, but as something that could explain something else. So um, a lot of of people have considered nationalism to be one of the factors that caused the collapse of the European empires, um, but haven't specifically taken nationalist movements. Movements themselves as the object of study and so that's what I try to do in the book manuscript.
0: Okay and let's define nationalism. What do you mean when you when you use that term?
1: Uh, well following on scholars like Ernest Gellner I basically use what I think is a pretty standard definition of nationalism um, mainly that um, the, the desire of a people for self-rule. Mm-hmm. So in the colonial context that means um, movements in which um, people were asking for independence um, they wanted, or if they were asking for autonomy. Um, in other words, they wanted to rule themselves as a nation, and they made claims on behalf of that nation. Um, so I take to be nationalists whenever people say that they are nationalists, and mm-hmm. when they, when they're asking for independence or autonomy. Okay. And what um, drove you to write the book? What was your inspiration? Well, actually, um, the inspiration came from a class I took here at Yale as mm-hmm. a visiting student um, while I was. Um, doing my graduate studies at the University of Chicago. I spent a semester here, and I took a class with William Fultz, who um, is one of our um, Africanists Mm -hmm. and has written a terrific book on on Africa. And um, while I was taking his class, I became surprised at how little nationalism there seemed to be in sub-Saharan Africa. Mm -hmm. Um, Having studied North Africa, Morocco, and Algeria, I had always taken for granted nationalist mobilization and the resonance of nationalism to colonize populations because those are places that we see as strongholds of, of nationalism where nationalism was particularly strong. And I began to wonder then, well, why was it so different in Senegal, let's say, or in the Ivory Coast? Why was it that nationalism seemed to come so late to Africa and not at all? And, and that's how I got started thinking about the question.
0: And how did you do your methodology Um, how did you do the research for the book?
1: So I decided to focus on the French Empire um, for a couple of reasons, Um, one of which is that um, the French Empire was the second largest empire in the mid-20th century Mm -hmm. but it hasn't been studied quite as much in the English literature as the British Empire. Um, The French Empire also allowed me to control for differences between empires. So Mm -hmm. a lot of studies of decolonization compare the the British Empire to the Belgian Empire, to the Portuguese, to the French, and then they end up sort of comparing across those five units. Mm -hmm. What I decided to do was to hold the imperial power constant and look within the French Empire and try to explain why did some French colonies get nationalist movements earlier than others? Why did some French colonies not ever get nationalist movements while others did? Um, And I spent some time collecting data in French archives, Mm -hmm. uh, and I also used the secondary literature on the French empire. Um, The second component of the project was to look closely at one case, and for me that was the case of colonial Morocco. Um, And so I also spent some time in Morocco interviewing those who had participated in the nationalist movement.
0: And when you were doing the research, were there any particular surprises?
1: Did you have any difficulties? Actually, um, I did have some difficulties and there were some surprises. Okay. Um, I had started off thinking that what I was going to do was build a data set um, of nationalist activities mm-hmm. in the French Empire or in Morocco. Um, and I would have an original quantitative data set. And to do that, what I started doing was looking through records of events that had happened um, in Morocco. and I couldn't decide what should count as nationalist. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be looking at a description written, you know, in the French police reports that said um, that there was a strike and a bunch of workers were angry because they felt that they were um, being denied a certain wage level that the French workers enjoyed. Or there would be a riot on a farm by Moroccans who said that they weren't getting adequate water to irrigate their lands, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, This had all been categorized as nationalist activity, but I wondered, you know, is that really nationalism? I mean, they're not really talking about the nation. They're asking for a higher wage or they're asking for for more water. You know, Mm -hmm. why should we think of that as nationalism? And I came to realize that most people think of anything that the natives in the colonies were doing Mm -hmm. as nationalism, if they were agitating at all. And I started to think, you know, maybe we shouldn't be calling all of these things nationalism. Maybe we should make some distinctions among what people were asking for. And so I was surprised to see that there was so much variety in what it was that colonized populations were were asking for and and were demanding.
0: And uh, let's talk about your findings. Why were some countries um, nationalist and others did not um, follow in that same path?
1: Well, I essentially make two arguments to explain this. Mm-hmm. Um, the first addresses exactly that question. Why did some places turn nationalist while others places actually never got nationalist movements? So a very minority of the French Empire, um, including places like Martinique and Guadeloupe, Réunion, Um, these places um, have not had that much nationalist activity. So why was that? Mm -hmm. Um, The first argument I make looks at some of these alternative demands that people made um, that weren't nationalist demands. And I noted that in the French Empire, before people asked for independence or autonomy, they tended to ask for reforms to colonial rule. Mm -hmm. So what they asked in the French Empire was for France to make good on its promises of carrying out a civilizing mission and of assimilating those populations. So across Africa, in places like Martinique, Guadeloupe, even in places like Algeria, colonized populations said, fine, you know, you said you're going to incorporate and assimilate us, then do it, make us all French citizens. And um, I argue that where they became French citizens, they there was no nationalist movement or there was very limited nationalist activity. Um, So political equality, as it turns out, was important for forestalling demands for independence or autonomy. And um, this only happened in a small number of places, so it's it's hard to see. Because for most of the empire, the French did not extend citizenship rights. But they did do it in um, some of the smaller island places, like Martinique and and Guadeloupe. They also did it in Senegal, but only for four cities in Senegal. They gave some of them. political equality while they denied it to the rest. So there we have an opportunity to see within one country whether those who get political equality either use it as a platform to become nationalists Mm -hmm. or whether they actually um, experience political equality as something good that they that they're happy to have.
0: And what happened?
1: Um, in Senegal, those who got political equality in the um, towns of um, Dakar, rufis and um, Gore, they um, moved more in the direction of incorporation with France. So they asked for greater rights. They tried to extend those citizenship rights, um, across Senegal, mm-hmm. they did not move in a nationalist direction, and they didn't do so until very late in the period, until after the French had actually rescinded those citizenship rights.
0: And what do you conclude in your book?
1: So um, I conclude that political equality um, was an alternative way to end empire. It was an alternative to granting independence. Mm-hmm. Um, the second conclusion I make is that it concerns the timing of nationalist mobilization, and I argue that. Um, Nationalist activity typically got underway after France's authority was disrupted in each particular colony. Um, So this argument, well, the first explains why some people would have wanted to either be nationalists or not nationalists. The second explains when could they organize nationalist activity. Um, And in the French Empire, um, particularly during World War II, French rule was disrupted in some places because other powers invaded. Mm-hmm. So, in North Africa, um, the French forces landed there in 1942. We see nationalist activity beginning after the invasion of the Allies. Um, similar in Vietnam, after the French forces there are destroyed by the incoming Japanese, Ho Chi Minh organizes the nationalist movement. Um, this argument um, suggests that disruptions in the imperial powers authority preceded nationalist mobilization Mm -hmm. and helped provide an opportunity for it to happen Um, but a lot of people have seen it in reverse that um, that nationalist mobilization disrupted imperial authority and not the other way around
0: very interesting Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being here today and sharing some of your work
1: thank you very much it was a pleasure
0: for more information about Professor Lawrence and her work, please visit our website at yale.edu backslash Report. Be sure to join us again for another episode of the Macmillan Report, made possible through funding from the Whitney and Betty Macmillan Center for International and Area Studies at Yale.